Welcome to Feminine Revival Podcast, where we empower women to embrace their God-given identity and live a life of beauty and victory. Welcome back, ladies. Episode four. I'm so excited for this. Yay. Yay. Glad you're back. All right. Well, this is Autumn, and I'm here with Heather. Hello. Hello, Autumn. And Laura. Hi. Good to be back. Glad to have you guys here. I'm looking forward to today's discussion. We have finished up our talk on faith, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about relationships and being relationship ready. So when to know when we're ready to step back into a relationship, either with a friend or someone that we could potentially be dating, any kind of relationship, stepping back into that and knowing if we're ready for that, right? So it's the holiday season. Are you guys ready for Christmas? Not ready. Not ready. (laughs) No. um, No, I'm not. Admittedly, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, This year, I decided to not spend the money that I have spent in the past on presents and just do something from my heart for the people I love. And it's been a better season, I have to say. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I decided to do the exact same thing. And I'd have to say it's made the season a lot more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like that stress that ev- it's in everyone's eyes as they're like frantically shopping at this point. I'm like, how's that feel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. not there. I know. And you don't have to fight the crowds either. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. So on the subject of being ready or not ready... As we're thinking about that, what what comes to mind, girls? Do you have any stories about not being ready? Wow. Um, I think, yes. When Back in the day, whenever I um, was in school, I worked at like multiple different coffee shops. And I distinctly remember one time showing up to a shift and I, per usual, was pretty exhausted. The kind of exhaustion that coffee doesn't really touch. But I remember I was on the registers and I was just robotically ringing people up, just one after the other after the other. And I had a friend who was um, barista at that point in time making the drinks. Well, I rung this guy up, um, you know, put his order in and then I carried about, you know, my other tasks, cleaning and stuff. And I just noticed that the barista made the drink and was calling out the guy's name Um over and over again and it was like for a a pretty extensive period of time and he looks at me he's like heather what the heck where's this dough person and i was like i don't know you know and i so went back to cleaning and then i thought about it and i was like oh my goodness (laughs) that was supposed to be um doug not dough (laughs) and i was like brandon um i'm pretty sure that was Doug, not dough. He's like, Heather, it says dough on it. <laughs> I was like, I may have added an additional H on the end of Doug. I cannot confirm or deny that. And he was like, what the heck, Heather? <laughs> so I, mortified, started laughing. Um, and obviously he had to remake it because 15 minutes later it was ice cold. And then he correctly called out Doug instead of dough, which he had been doing for the past 15 minutes. So the moral of that story is that that guy was ready for his coffee, but he was certainly not ready. Ready to be called dough. <laughs> you just wanted your coworker to look like <laughs> crazy for a little bit. I did You're laugh like, so you know, hard. Work's boring. Uh, let's try. Let's start mixing this up. It's <laughs> like, what the heck, Heather? I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm tired. So yeah, uh, check your spelling before you send send in the order. That's, That's the say. worst part of working in a coffee shop oh, is. is if you work someplace where you have to write the names out, I mean, that was the worst part for me because I worked in a coffee shop as well. Yep. And 
you know, I don't know if it's just a different side of the brain, like you're making the drinks on the creative artistic side and then you have to go to the word side of your brain to write, write out the spelling of somebody's names. Like, <laughs> how do you spell Peter? You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing so yeah um, yep. well that's pretty hilarious so recently I uh, I got my nails done for the holidays and they're red right now and they're looking like amazing but I speaking of not being ready I had this appointment for let's say it was super early in the morning let's just pretend like it was really early in the morning and I woke up probably 15 minutes before I needed to be there and I had washed my hair the night before and slept on it and it was like so matty and I was just thinking to myself I don't go in public looking like this ever but I'm about to do this like I don't know what else to do my hair is not going to get done and so I threw on some makeup really quick because as we know that's just going to happen and my hair was so disgusting like it looked like some little chipmunks found their way and made a little hole and then I kicked them out and I was heading out the house and I just remember thinking I look so horrible right now so as I'm driving there I was going to be like five minutes late so I called the place I'm like hey I am going to be five minutes late and then the guy said that my nail tech whatever that she was running late and so we needed to move the appointment to like two hours later and I was like that is not a problem at all so that was my first not being ready but then when I finally went up to get my nails done I say to the girl which I'd love so much but I was like hey um I kind of want to go a little bit longer in like red this time and so she's like okay we can do that she's amazing and so she sets out and like does my nails and I did tell her how long to make them and so I really this is me I did this to myself but when she's done I'm just looking at my nails and I'm like I have the longest pointiest red nails right now and I was not ready for what I asked for but now I am living with these and I don't even know who I am but I just have like this almond shape shiny red candy apple <laughs> nails it's just the length and the shape that is so aggressive i feel like they are aggressive cruella they look or great, something though. Like yeah they do look but great thank you i kind of yeah. like them now but i wasn't ready for it it's so. great for christmas you know, yeah red so oh man so not being ready dough dough <laughs> hello dough <laughs> and then you my start red to nails. get no- annoyed when the person doesn't hear their name you're like dough <laughs> You're like, you idiot. I'm calling your name. And then he's over there like, Doug. At least the guy didn't realize it was him. Because that's the worst when the customer corrects you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, my goodness. Laura. I was thinking of a story when we were younger. My parents like went out of town. So my aunt came over to stay the night with us. And we had this like old back door with this metal deadbolt it was really hard to move the deadbolt in and out we were like Mm -hmm. so my brothers had went to bed and my sister and I were up still with my aunt and my aunt was like I can't get this door open my sister was like over there helping her and um my brother like sleepwalks into the kitchen (laughs) while they're both turned to the door like trying to open it and he taps on my aunt's shoulder she was not ready for that and (laughs) she's like they're both like and then they like turn around really quick and he's like i need a hug <laughs> and my aunt was like okay so she just gives him a hug she's like he's clearly sleepwalking or something and then he like hugs her back then he like immediately goes to the fridge opens the fridge 
pours this like enormous glass of milk and he's like, go, 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 go. And then he goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like watching him. He just like goes back to his room and then he closes the door and it sounds like he's locking it, but there is no lock on that door. <laughs> it's like, so they're like recounting it to him the next day and he's like, I don't remember any of that, but I do remember having a dream about a really good glass of milk. <laughs> So did he continue to sleepwalk? Yeah, both my brothers did for like, w- this is another not ready story is my other brother. My mom had been like saving to get new cabinets. We had like the ricketyest old house, 900 square feet, six people. I mean, it was tiny. Oh man! So they finally saved up. We had the cabinets. They were in boxes. And then my uncle or my dad and his cousin, I think we're going to put them in. So my brothers were already asleep. My sister and I were like having ice cream in the kitchen and then all of a sudden my brother like walks in there he turns to like his back is towards us and then we just start seeing the cabinet box turning wet and we're like mom and she's like my cabinets and he's like get out of the bathroom and we're like you're not in the bathroom oh Oh, my goodness (laughs) so yeah my mom was like my new cabinets That is so alarming. Definitely not ready. I was just eating ice cream like, well, (laughs) dessert and a show. (laughs) Wow. That's my word. Careful when you sleepwalk. Make sure you get into the right room. Somebody might get wet. That's terrible. If I sleepwalk, I hope I don't just pee places. I think he just took a wrong turn somewhere and no literally he's gonna get out of the bathroom. (laughs) Terrible. It's a new level of humiliation. Um well wow, so clearly important to be ready and I don't know if you've ever gotten into a relationship when you weren't ready for that but that can be worse because it's connected to your heart and of course things related to your heart really affect your life and your well-being so the subject of being ready for something if you really want the best and God wants you to have the best then you really do need to be ready to embrace something and if that's a person in your life then especially being in the right place to be able to be open and ready to have them back in your life or in your life is going to help you to have the best type of relationship. So we're going to talk about some factors that we have learned and that the Word of God shines light on to help us know when we're ready to have a relationship or a person back into our life in a relationship. So as we're talking about knowing when we're ready, when we're starting the journey to heal and just thinking about what a good starting place would be, um, does anyone have, you know, Heather, do you have something to say about a good starting place to know if we are ready to be in a relationship? Where do we start with that? I think you have to... You probably have to reflect back on your previous relationship. I mean, that's an obvious place to start. Or in general, I think the relationships that you have in your life. And I think a really important place to start is dealing with um, like the wounds or the pain specifically that come from those previous relationships. For example, if you had a breakup, um, whether it was, you know, a quote unquote good or bad breakup, I think that there's still pain that's involved. And I think you need to start there. Uh, because you really need to uh, resolve, basically resolve the pain. Um, And I think that that can, you can kind of focus in three 
primary ways in doing that. Um, I think the first way is definitely just to feel the pain. So whenever something happens, whether it's a breakup or not, uh, any kind of relational pain, it's not helpful to ignore it. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times we don't process or deal with pain because obviously it hurts. But the only way to get through and to work through the pain of a relationship is to process it. And that unfortunately does come from embracing it, Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to feel the pain, allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to work through the emotions. Because anything that you're stuffing or setting aside, you're really not processing it. And I think that that can come out. It's always going to come out later on, either in the next relationship that you have or even in like physical manifestations of that, whether, you know, it's stomach issues or um, you just at some point have a breakdown. It's really important to process the pain um, and, f- and doing that through working through it, really, you know, what as you're saying that, I think that's really good. And that's really important to do to acknowledge the pain, not stuff it to assess what you're feeling, what that made you feel and to feel all of those feels, I can definitely see how that's a great thing to do. Why do people not do that? You thought about that? And Laura, you know, what are your thoughts on that too? Maybe for yourself or why would people not do that? I think initially it's exhausting. Mm. <laughs> like you, you have to almost set aside time to do that. I, I remember a long time ago breaking up with somebody. I was in college And I just threw myself into my studies for the remainder of the semester. And then the semester ended and I like really had not, I thought that I'd kind of like processed it, but it hit me like a ton of bricks, Mm -hmm. like fresh in a new, like six months later after it happened. And I, that was educational because I was thinking, wow, I didn't deal with the pain from this and now it's catching up with me. So I think that practically speaking I think it's exhausting Mm -hmm. it's really difficult it's hard work to actually um, delve deeply into trauma or pain in general it's not a pleasant experience but it's an emotional wound and like a physical wound if you don't take time to address it to you know to heal it to you know put a band-aid on it put ointment on it it's going to fester Um, So really the only way you can get through pain is to process it. And people don't want to do that, I think, in part because it is it's work, it's painful and you have to make time to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you can't schedule your traumas, right, (laughs) or the hurtful things that happen. And if you're already you have a lot of responsibility, you have a lot of people looking up to you that are expecting you to lead them, take care of them which we all do in some way, mm-hmm. right? Even at work, you have responsibilities, people expecting you to perform and to do your job and probably other people looking up to you and needing you to come to work, able to do what what you're supposed to do, Yeah, you know? I think that that can sometimes, maybe you want to heal and process it, but you're literally like, I can't right now. I have so many things going on. I can't even think about that. So I'll think about that later, yeah. you know? And especially if you have a lot of other people looking to you. So partly that can be a blessing because I think it can create some space where you don't have to sort of think through all the pain right then. But 
at some point you do need to go back intentionally even probably and start looking at okay, what did I go through? How am I feeling about Mm -hmm. that? Because uh, the book, The Body Keeps Score, Mm -hmm. you know, like when you go through something, your body's experiencing that and your nervous system is logging that and that's locked into your your body. And at some point that's going to resurface because it's triggered or you have downtime or whatever. But um, I find that very interesting. So any thoughts on that, Laura? Yeah, I was thinking of two things when you said that. I was thinking of, um, it also relates to kind of the daddy-daughter relationship as Mm -hmm. well. Um, You'll see a pattern with women that they kind of go for the same sort of guy and then they later realize like they had a really checkered past with Mm -hmm. their own dad. Maybe Mm -hmm. he wasn't in their life at all. And they never really addressed that. They were just like, I'm going to find the man Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and... If they had taken some time to do that, I think that would really benefit them. So there's that piece. And then I was thinking of... Um, wait, can I add on to that really quick? Yeah. And you won't lose your train of thought for your second part? No, I haven't. Okay. So I was thinking, that's a great point, And I didn't actually think about that. If you don't build time into your schedule to reflect, assess, self-evaluate, even read the word of God and let that speak into your reality of what's right and wrong, then you're likely to not recognize that that was a really hurtful, painful thing. And Mm -hmm. then maybe just seek out what's comfortable and maybe what's comfortable is just what's normal. And so that's what you're sort of pursuing even intentionally. That's like actually a really deep thought that I haven't thought about, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like you or some, some girls, I think they're looking to fix that relationship Mm, through another relationship. Yeah. Really, even subconsciously. Tell me about that because I haven't. Well, thought it's about kind that. of like my dad was always this way, and I could never get his approval. So they are looking for a guy oh. who's kind of the same temperament, who's also hard to get approval. Mm. Where you're constantly like doing everything you can to make him happy or whatever. Mm. What really, it's a, a previous wound. Mm. Um, like I couldn't put the bandaid on the past. Yeah wound so I'm going to put it on this new situation so I'm going to create yeah. a new one How and I'm going to heal that one yeah because mm-hmm. often it feels it can feel quote-unquote right because it's familiar but sometimes the familiarity is just you recognizing a familiar dysfunction dysfunction <laughs> or wound childhood wound that you have where it's like oh this feels like home I'm like well <laughs> that's could be <laughs> when you're like looking at a stable person and you're like hmm you seem reliable and comforting and constant i i can't have you in my life no <laughs> you're boring my he's <laughs> a little more toxic no thank you my type is toxic <laughs> and then the other thing you called me back right away no that's a definite no <laughs> direct eye contact when I'm talking weird emotional availability nah (laughs) Uh, the other thing I was thinking was um a lot of times like you were saying you know you had that breakup and then you had you just delved into schoolwork and Mm -hmm. you were kind of busy a lot of times you do have to do that like Autumn was saying where you don't have a chance right then Mm -hmm. But it is necessary anytime you get cut, you don't just put a bandaid on and then you just forget about it. Eventually, you're going to actually going to go clean that out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of that process of you. Okay, we're going to we need to change the bandage. Mm -hmm. We really need to clean this out, which is painful. That's one of the reasons that people don't is they finally 
you know, got out of that relationship. And the last thing they want to do is think about it. Yeah. Because it's like reliving it for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And I think that there is, there is Mm -hmm. some benefit because I think the reality of life is that you don't, generally speaking, have just long periods of time where you can just sit and think and process and be alone with your thoughts and journal and cry and all that stuff. Like, you know, we, we live busy lives, but so I think that there is something to be said about taking it in pieces. And sometimes I think distractions can give you an alleviation from pain and that can be helpful actually, because sometimes it's just too much all at once. Mm-hmm. But I think I was, I was reading an article by Lisa Turkhurst and she was saying, she made a point to say that um, what numbs us can also imprison us. And so I think that sometimes we can't implement coping mechanisms that though in measure can help us have like alleviation temporarily to take those things in like in pieces, bite-sized pieces of processing. But I think that there's a danger to it that it can become almost something that imprisons you because it becomes your coping mechanism for not mm-hmm. dealing with that pain. So right. it it's like is, a in a way. yeah, it's a razor's edge, you know, yeah. like you, you can't, uh, it's okay to take things in bite-sized pieces, but not to the point where you're lapsing into not processing it. And now you've created a new problem for you because you have this thing that you're depending on right. in order to numb the pain. And if it's not there, then you're wrecked that day. Yes. Yeah, that's very yes. true. I remember when I was getting over the engagement that I had in that breaking up, I was teaching high school. And I mean, it was like, middle of school so you, I went I didn't take any time off I was like in work the next day Gosh. and nobody knew I was just like pressing on teaching lessons grading papers just doing the thing and while the students would be working on their classwork I would play Christian music that was ministering to me I was like mm-hmm. I don't care if y'all like it <laughs> this is like what I need and then I would do art as well because I was teaching art and so I would do art that was working through what I was Mm -hmm. feeling so I can see what you're saying you know what if I had of stayed locked in and made art and music my new coping mechanism and I needed that at the time because it allowed me some space to be able to process and work through the feelings but also just be productive with my job and the students need me. They don't need to know what's going on. Let me just be consistent and reliable for them too because that's what they need here and my job is to work and so I'm going to do that with excellence and in some free time work through what I'm trying to do which is process what I've just gone through but at the same time I could have made that you know an idol for me like I need two hours of art each day because that's what gives me some relief and some um ability to process what I've gone through here you know and maybe it starts off that way but there's like a point I think where it kind of tips into am I am I alleviating or am I leaning on you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like you still need to do the work you still need to process you still need to and I think the second point in like the pain or dealing with the pain of loss is reconciling yourself to the distance you know, so with that person, Huberman talks about that, that really the process of grieving, whether it's a relationship, a death, um, the end of something is reconciling yourself to the distance that now exists between you, that thing, um, well, that thing or that person in yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that in all of this, it is a process. And I think that 
over time you end up separating yourself. Um, so I think, you know, whether you're, you know, your coping mechanisms, your distractions, whatever it is, I think everything in measure. It's mm-hmm. not bad. Just don't do it to the degree that it inhibits you from actually reconciling yourself to that distance mm-hmm. and, and separating yourself progressively from that the pain really mm-hmm. and prevents you from moving forward yeah your new reality i yeah. guess that's really true because if you don't acknowledge the new reality then you can live in the past and part of it reckoning yourself to the distance is accepting that they're no longer in your life mm-hmm. or not in the same way yeah and this is the new reality you know yeah. and that's always really hard and painful yeah and that can even apply to ongoing relationships I think sometimes dynamics change and you're not as good of friends with somebody as you were before Uh, maybe they don't have as like predominant of a you know a presence in your life and it could even look like that like maybe they're not completely gone but you know maybe your season in life changed and now you have a different relationship with an old friend Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's all measured it's all proportionate but yeah I think you have to come to terms with the new normal Mm -hmm. of that season in that relationship that's really true well I think it's important for women to be a part of helping to keep relationships healthy Mm -hmm. because women are typically the ones that are more articulate with our emotions and quicker maybe to understand what we're feeling and I think that we can help other people understand what they're feeling and help to just create healthy relationships in the dynamics in our sphere. So at work or when your family or friends, you know, so if someone is going to help this just be a healthy environment, I think women have a a strength to play in helping relationships to maintain health. So that's a gift that we can bring to things because we're discerning and we can be more articulate with what we are feeling. So, you know, for kids that are in your family or for women that are your friends or men in your life, I think women have a special discernment and then ability maybe to care and caring about what other people are feeling too can provide healing for them as well. So even if we're just listening, you know, Laura does a great job listening. And thank you, Laura. That's why I don't talk as much. You're my... <laughs> Our counselor, (laughs) no, we need you to talk. Mm -hmm. So, but that can be a great healing of the loss too, is just a support, you know? Um, As we're thinking about loss, does that bring anything else to mind? I know there's just so many great illustrations in the Bible that talk about loss. You know, what comes up when you guys are thinking about that and what can we learn from the word of God? I was thinking of a weak joke. Think of Joseph. We said that to each other so many times. There's a, there's a backstory at some point we'll share. But um, I did think of Joseph when I was thinking of this point. I was thinking, okay, Lord, what Bible story relates like this? And Joseph came to mind immediately because his brothers, if you don't know the story, his brothers sold him into slavery. He was the favorite child and passed him off as dead to their father. And he went through like you know, a terrible time. He was a slave, then he was in prison, and then he ended up being second in command of all of Egypt, which is crazy because the tables turn and his brothers end up coming to him and asking for provision to survive this famine. And it says, um, Genesis fifty twenty. but as for you, 
ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring it to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. And that was Joseph saying to his brothers, at the time you meant evil against me, but God was bigger than that, and he did something beautiful. So even somebody can do something terrible to you, and if you're able to release that to God and say, this happened, this is terrible, God can do something beautiful with it. And you even see that a lot of times when somebody has cancer or they lose a family member to a rare disease and then they bring awareness. Mm -hmm. They decide, okay, I'm going to take the helm on this. I'm going to let people know that this is a danger or even, you know, human trafficking or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to fight against this. And they have this vision and this purpose that comes with it. So I think you know, for, for Joseph, what a beautiful, he had an opportunity to be like, you know what, I'm throwing you all in prison. How about that? Mm -hmm. How how do you like them apples, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But instead his heart was moved to them and he, he wasn't, he didn't mean any evil against them. He saw that God turned it all around for good. Mm -hmm. So I think that's encouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. So there's a part of somebody wounding you where you're assessing what has happened and uh, it would have been really easy for him to become really bitter with that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about... Like, if I ever see them again. Yes. Yeah. You know, these people that I trusted, they were in my family, and they literally worked against me for evil, even to take away my life. And God, of course, turned that to good, but, you know, kind of brings up the subject that when someone's really wounded you, um, where, how does that play into bitterness how do we avoid that you know what do you guys think about that well I think you start off with it makes me think of Proverbs 20 22 and it says say not thou I will recompense evil but wait on the Lord he shall save thee um there's also Hebrews 12 14 through 15 it says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be, may be defiled. I think there is definitely a correlation between, there's just the reality that you are going to be hurt in life by people. We hurt people, people hurt us. But I think the Bible is very clear about being careful to not allow that to result in in bitterness mm-hmm. and if you don't deal with it like we're yes. talking about you may not realize but bitterness could be rooting yes for sure so i mean unresolved conflict leads to contempt and contempt is the perfect fertile soil of bitterness mm. so you just it's something to be you know pretty mindful of but um So when you're thinking about, are you relationship ready? You know, I think so far we've talked about loss and assessing that loss and timing of when to work through those things, but then also assessing it and, and paying attention to, am I leading into bitterness? You know, so, um, you know, people talk about just like your visceral reaction or response Mm -hmm. to the sound of somebody's name or to the sight of somebody. Have you guys ever had someone in your life where just to hear their name makes you just feel something <laughs> and you didn't realize maybe you had some boot, some bitterness like rooted in your heart towards them, but you see them and you didn't expect it or you hear their name and then you just get that gut feeling of like, 
uh, cringe. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a good evaluation of if you've got some roots of bitterness? Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the acid test. It's whenever you. I think everyone has that re- that relationship to names, even you know, mm-hmm. whenever you're trying to pick out a name or. Mm-hmm. you know for the dog or for a person a kid or something and they're like how about samantha and they're like no mm-hmm. you know there was a guy that forever I dated. <laughs> I dated a guy i won't say his name and then i dated another guy that had the same name and i was like <laughs> i should have known should have known you know <laughs> so that can be a thing too yeah but what we're i think speaking about is that visceral response which is um what is it? It's a physical response that happens automatically without conscious control. It's something that just like evokes mm-hmm. a certain response mm-hmm. out of you that's connected to a name, mm-hmm. to a person, and is rooted obviously in the experiences mm-hmm. that you had with that person. So I think that's a yeah. really, a, a pretty really, good, yeah. yeah, acid test to figure out, okay, is th- like when I think of that person, um, what comes to mind and yeah. what comes to like the surface of my heart. And if it is like that, ugh, like yeah. anger or like resentment or disgust or disdain, um, I think that you... Or even refocusing on your hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, Laura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's either a warning, like you're saying, mm-hmm. of something like it might even be like an indication that it's somebody that... Maybe it's not bitterness, but you kind of just get like a off feeling from them. Yeah. Like, so I want to talk about that. But yeah. So that's an intuition that maybe somebody's a danger. Yeah. Let's talk about that in a second. But before then, I haven't thought about this. Like, how do you not let something turn to bitterness? Or what do you do if something is becoming a bitterness? That's, uh, yeah, that's like a, it's a huge, it's a great topic. I think, um, I think you have to kind of start with, Placing, like, what are what do you do with offenses? Mm-hmm. I think that that's the place to start. And for anybody who is a Christian, whenever something happens to you, whenever somebody hurts you, I think that whether you're a Christian or not, I think this is the the bottom line: is that we want like immediate retribution. We mm-hmm. want like immediate punishment, atonement for that. We want to see them get what is coming to them you know, extreme prejudice, we want it to happen right then and there. But the truth is, the overarching truth is that in reality, it has been because it has been judged. It has been judged. Mm. Yes, it has been taken care of because sin has already been paid for first and foremost by Jesus on the cross. Mm. And so the process of thinking about offenses towards you is that Jesus was crucified for the sins that people have committed against you. The holiest of holies has embodied like your perpetrator's sin, took it upon himself, went to hell, suffered for it with the ultimate cost and paid for it with his life. And in all honesty, like there's, you really can't ask for more than that. Like it, Basically, it's kind of remembering, too, I think that like so everything that has every sin that has come against you has been paid for by Christ with his blood cost him everything. But at the same time, the reverse of that is that the sins that you've committed against other people cost him the exact same thing. So it's not just 
the sins that people have committed, the hurts that people have committed, the wrongs that people have done to you. It's the wrongs that you've done to other people. They all cost Christ his life and his blood. Mm-hmm. And they have been paid for in full, purchased by God, and therefore they are paid for. It's it's kind of like a, you just can't ask for more than that. Yeah. It's like, okay, like I want this to be taken care of. I want this to be made right. They did me wrong. And God's like, I took care of that. I took it to the cross. I died for that sin. And I, by the way, I died for yours as well. And when you look at it from a lens of what your sins cost God and the the forgiveness that you've received from Christ, it is an atrocious sin to then want to deny somebody else that same forgiveness because you're in your own way just as guilty. And I'm not diminishing people doing wrong to you. I'm not diminishing that like people genuinely hurt people. I mean, there's everything that's terrible under the sun that happens in this world. You know, you've, you know, cheating, divorce, you have, you know, molestation, you have, you know, just scruples in a relationship. So it's not to diminish that people have hurt you in a real and genuine way, but the payment for that has been taken care of. And I think if you start from that perspective, it kind of helps you to realize that, Every sin's first against God, and then it's against you. Right. You know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So as far as the punishment for what they've done, I think you have to recognize that Jesus already paid for that sin on the cross. So if Jesus has forgiven it and covered it with his blood, then that sets a precedence for how we should ultimately treat that as well. Not to, and that's what you're saying as well, you know, like not to say that that's a safe person to have in your space or in your life or, you know, we can talk about boundaries there. But when you're talking about bitterness, it brings up the subject of forgiveness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. holding on to something you're saying, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, you know, and like Laura speaking to this too, if you have thoughts, but if I'm going to hold on to the bitterness, then I'm not acknowledging that it's been paid for yeah because i'm still wanting there to be some justification for it and really it already has been paid for and dealt with so Mm -hmm. starting there gives you a different lens to view the ability to forgive people is that right yeah no i think that's that's very well said and i guess it makes me think of the verse proverbs 12 19 it says dearly beloved avenge not yourselves Mm -hmm. but rather give place unto wrath for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says, saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that God is just and there is justice for people that have sinned and that are hurting us. But it's not my place to initiate that judgment on them because I don't know everything and I am so sinful in myself. I really couldn't rightly judge that person And there's a lot of freedom that comes from giving something to God and trusting that he's going to do the right thing Mm -hmm. by that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So bitterness, um, what would something practical then be? Like, how do I practically not fall into bitterness? The root of bitterness, I guess, if you think about roots, like a little plant with little roots, you know, you're going to pull up the weeds. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a good practical tip just to hey, what weeds do I have growing here? What little pieces of bitterness are growing in my heart towards a person? Let me pull those up and acknowledge that Christ has paid for them mm-hmm. and loves them. Is that a yeah. good tip? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, kind of back to what Heather had said, 
For me, it's helpful not to even think about that other person in the equation. At first, it's between God and I. The Bible says in Mark eleven twenty six, and there's several other places. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So essentially, and there's several other places, that's saying um, if you want God's forgiveness, you've got, you have to extend it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I can withhold forgiveness to this person, but then I'm not able to receive mm-hmm. God's forgiveness yes. towards me. And to your question, I think um, Colossians 3.16, the first part of it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mm-hmm. So if you're letting the word dwell in you, then it's going to prevent um, bitterness. It kind of makes me think of um, Autumn used to have this plant that grew. I mean, it was... 60 feet long I don't know it it was braided at one point I mean it was huge but when she moved I was helping them move and it did like we we hadn't paid attention to it like rooted itself into the carpet I think yeah it was everything baskets the carpet anything it touched like but it wasn't because we were like grooming that to happen it Mm -hmm. just it it left Mm -hmm. alone it's rooted Mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of like what bitterness can Mm -hmm. do it's like if you you can ignore it and pretend that it's not there and you're not being like, well, I'm going to water it and I'm, I'm exacting my revenge. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to do it. You can literally just be like, Oh, I'm good when you're not good. Mm -hmm. And it's busy, like taking your nutrients from Mm -hmm. yourself physically, probably even Mm -hmm. too, to feed it's itself to grow, to make root and it's even harder to deal with once it has taken yeah. root. Mm-hmm. Those little roots, if you think about it with that plant, they're holding firmly onto places that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very surprising. Yes. Yeah. You try to move the whole plant and it's locked in to some unsuspecting places and you have to like rip that up, you yeah. know. And it felt like me against the plant at some point. I was like, you're taking over personal. my home and I didn't realize this. It's kind of freaky. You feel like it's alive and you didn't expect it. It, it is alive. Yeah, I guess so. It definitely yeah. freaked me out. I like what you said, though. And Heather, that's a huge point that you made. So I think that's what we all need to do is the discipline of of having a biblical perspective of the situation. Christ died for them. That's huge. That matters because he's paid for that. I am imperfect too. I can extend forgiveness for them because Christ has already done that. And these sins were really against him. So that is huge that you brought that up. And I think that's really important. It would be an incomplete conversation without having said that. So thank you. That's really great point yeah it's basically extending the grace that you've been given yes you know and releasing I think the weight of that because that's I mean I think unforgiveness is it's a weight Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. think that the reason God takes it so seriously is because not just because he wants you to be disciplined and like extending grace but because ultimately I think it affects our relationship with him Mm -hmm. and bitterness becomes a breach in your communion with God. Mm -hmm. And it even talks about it affecting your prayer life. It inhibits your prayers and it also causes that disconnect causes you to um, 
stop producing the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Satan wants us to be entangled in wrapped in the carpet of our bitterness is because it's going to cause us to be disjointed from God in the sense of being able to receive mm-hmm. um, that, that free flowing of the fruit of the spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that goodness, that faith, that meekness, like all of those things that should be um, indications of Christ's living inside of us, if bitterness overshadows that, then we become like the inverse of mm-hmm. all those things. That really helps me. And Laura said this too, just thinking about your walk with God and using that as motivation. Sometimes I don't care about the person oh, enough to forgive yeah. them, but I care about my walk with God. Yes. So I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to let you inhibit my power from the Lord yeah. and my fellowship with God because I yeah. need that every day. Yeah. So for the Lord's sake and my sake, with God, I'm going to forgive you because you're not worth me breaking my fellowship no. with God. Like That's mm-hmm. not worth it. It's not. My life is too hard. I have too many things. I need yeah. the help of the Holy Spirit. I need clarity and direction from God. And for that sake alone, let me just make sure that other relationships are good to go. Yeah. It's like that analogy. <laughs> that it talks about like bitterness is drinking poison, you know, hoping to kill the other person. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes like bitterness is a silent killer that it doesn't just affect you it does actually affect the immediate relationships around you like I think anybody's had the experience where you're around a bitter person and you're yeah. like whoa <laughs> and they probably don't even realize that yes, they're like that which is so sad mm-hmm. but I think it's important to say too about forgiveness is that a lot of times like the other things we've talked about so far is that it's a process and I think that sometimes it's something that you have to just keep bringing to God and keep just practicing like, Lord, you know, what that person did to me was wrong, list it out and say, but you've covered it in your blood. You've also forgiven me of my sins and I'm extending forgiveness to that person. And I'm praying that you would do that through me. And I think that I've experienced in some of the more painful situations that I had to do that over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over until you get to a point where you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not carrying that weight anymore. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've released that. Yeah. And the frequency is less and the burden of it is less. Yeah. You know, that kind of goes back to the subject of intuition Yeah, because you do have to forgive all people. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the command. <laughs> so whether they're a predator or not, whether there's somebody that you can have back in your life or not, you, we're expected to forgive everyone, mm-hmm. you know? But let's talk for a moment, um, if you guys have some thoughts on intuition and discerning a person, whether you're going to forgive them and accept them back into your life or forgive them and then create some space. Because either way, we're going to have to forgive them. But Mm -hmm. it is okay to identify when people are a harm towards us. And so how can you tell if someone that has wounded you is a person that you need to let back into your life or... How can we tell if that's a person that we need to probably just dismiss? So maybe what are some key factors if you guys have ever come across someone? Actually, Heather, uh, I have a funny story from Heather from yesterday, but (laughs) I'll tell it on her. But anyway, so the question is, what are your thoughts on how do you discern if someone is a danger to you versus just someone that's wounded you and that you could create a path of restoration back? Right. Um, I think it's how that person initially deals with 
the offense and probably depending on the def- the offense as well. Okay, so they've um, done something to you, they've wounded you, and then you bring it up to them. Mm-hmm. And so now you're going to assess whether they're a predator mm-hmm. or whether they're a friend. Yeah. Okay. And I think that would start with how they deal with it. Mm. Like, is there true repentance behind what mm. they said? Do they learn from it? Do they receive what you said? Or do they turn it around mm. and make it, you know, about you? Yeah. Like, do they take any ownership of mm-hmm. the wrong? Do they see where they could have improved? Or do they, like I said, turn it around and make it instantly about, well, I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't of gaslighting. Da-da-da-da. Yes. Like turning mm-hmm. that on you. Well, yes. I'm not an unkind person. You made me be unkind to you. Yes. You're mm-hmm. like, what? Yes. Yeah. Because I think that if somebody can't take ownership of their wrong in a relationship, that's the point where the relationship dies because there's right. no room for growth. You can't yeah. move past it because they're not willing to accept uh, an offense and right. work on it to become better. So I think that's the first thing I would pay attention because to. Because relationships are... I love you and I want the best for you. And so if they're not willing to see how they've hurt you, even emotionally or physically, and accept responsibility to not do that again out of love for you, then they're communicating something to you. For sure. You Mm. know? Yeah. I think that um, sometimes it's good to have someone outside who knows both of you, who's seen the relationship. Sometimes you really want it to work, that you're willing for a half apology to be good enough mm-hmm. because for the sake of your family or whatever you yeah. want it to work that you're not willing to look at it clearly so if you have um you know godly counselors in your life that you're willing to say oh i i don't really want to know what you have to say but i kind of want to know what you have to say mm-hmm. i'm willing to hear then they can kind of give you a perception that might be a little different then obviously you take that to the Lord in prayer as well and say like based on what this person said and you know how they responded when I you know had this meeting with them or whatever then it gives you a little bit more idea of like okay what's best to move forward if you have you know a lot of godly people in your life saying no 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 that's probably an indication you at least need to pray and consider that Mm -hmm. you know so that's huge I think that exact point Laura just having people speak into your situation because when you're close and your emotions are all compromised and you're just near to the situation it was recent you can either believe what they've said about you and so you let them redefine who you are and you're Mm -hmm. like oh wow maybe I am this terrible person I am causing this to happen to me I didn't know I brought this upon myself, mm-hmm. you know, and then other people around you are like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Let me reaffirm you are right. They are crazy and you don't deserve this. Right. So mm-hmm. that is a huge thing. And I think that that's you got to be really, willing to hear what they're, they're saying, too. That's the other sure. piece, you know, I hope it would be comforting, you know, like, oh, good. I didn't think I was doing that on purpose you know but maybe open I think just pray about everything like you guys are saying you know go to the word of God filter what people are saying through the word and prayerfully consider like how do I need to grow okay well what do I need to do better Mm -hmm. but they need to take ownership as well Um, so it makes me just think of women a lot of time don't like being mean to people and so we can 
sacrifice ourselves a little bit too much for the sake of not making a predator feel uncomfortable. That's true. Have you guys ever had something like that happen to you? Oh, for sure. Can you give me an example of that? I think even just dealing with like sometimes with predator type people. And so we'll define that as someone that is not looking for your best interest. Yeah. So they're steal kill destroy the nature of satan when they're interacting with you they don't have your best interest in mind they're looking to get something from you regardless of what it costs you yeah and usually yeah it's like i mean think about what are predators in the wild like a wolf Mm -hmm. for example would be something that is a creature that's going after a lamb for example Mm -hmm. and their only intent is to take at highest uh benefit to self at the greatest cost of that animal so I think that whenever somebody's in your life and they only take they do not give Mm -hmm. and it's they take to the point of damage and they're either aware or unaware of that I think is probably a pretty good indication of like that's somebody who's preying on your Mm -hmm. kindness your you know whatever your goodness so I think it's somebody who is certainly taking from you at to the point of damage yeah um, but what was the, what was the question? I'm I know, sorry. sorry. I was thinking, do you have an example of somebody that had been a predator to you or oh. you, you know, you both very kind me too, but we know that as a woman in the world, really, you have to have both things like really nice and really strong at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is the ideal woman to be very gentle, but also able to defend and stand up for themselves in a right moment. And if you can't be both, then you're going to struggle. You're going to be taken advantage of or you're going to just ruin people. (laughs) Like so. um, Okay, so my story from yesterday, Heather was in Walmart (laughs) and we were in a store and uh, we were getting water. And there was this man. Heather can tell the story maybe. But yeah, he was just it was he definitely was not American. I'll just leave it at that. But he was like. He just, he didn't understand the customs of America where you don't just, you don't leer. You don't stand five feet in front of a woman and check her out up and down. Not without her saying something to you. Not without me giving you the stink eye and like hard staring back like, can I help you? And he, so he did this like three times and I'm just trying to fill up my water. Like just, you know, you do you, I'll do me over here, but like don't come into my bubble. So at one point, these are like the five gallon huge things of water that weigh I don't know what 45 ish pounds so at one point I finished filling up the water and I was carrying it over to the buggy but like as I'm putting it in he then like reappears for like the fifth time and like sideways kind of offers to help well really what happened was (laughs) from my perspective he keeps circling around circling around Heather noted noted him and then was like oh I see you and I don't like it. So that's your first move to back off. And he didn't. He kind of kept circling around. And so then she basically called him out. Like the last time he did it, he's just standing there. And I kind of clue into the story when I just hear Heather say, what did you say? I said, what? <laughs> she's like, what? And he's like, oh, do you need help with that? And she's like, no. And then he kind of like scurried on his little way. And I was like, what was and that about? He was gone for good. Yeah. But point is, he's being creepy and your intuition's like, I don't like you and Mm -hmm. that's not culturally acceptable and that's just not morally acceptable. So scurry along before this has to escalate. And so as a woman, I think you have to speak into that and have the strength to say no, you know. Mm -hmm. So 
I digress, but just example of like noting someone um, that is a predator versus someone that you would want back in your life. I think both people point is that we have to have some forgiveness for them, but then making decisions of who to let be back in our life Mm -hmm. or not, you know? Yeah, for sure. Talking about just being relationship ready and kind of like sorting through all the things that have happened with loss and then bitterness and just assessing where we're at to let people back into our life. Um, those are just important things. So with somebody that you can have back in your life, how do we restore those relationships? Have you guys thought through that? Like what are some good tools of restoring? I think we talked about time being needed, giving it enough time. What are your thoughts on that? I think um, depending on the weightiness of the offense mm-hmm. determines how quickly and how much time you let them back into your circle you know if it was like a huge thing it might be a very very slow crawl to Mm -hmm. anything um but if it was like i don't know something minor a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. and they've been a long time friend it would be easy to be like Mm -hmm. okay i know your heart was good and Mm -hmm. i didn't receive that well or whatever so i think that mainly you know assessing what happened and then okay um, in increments, mm-hmm. we'll move forward, and mm-hmm. I'll see if you're still going to be the person you said you want to mm-hmm. be. Are you, are you making the changes you said you were going to make? Yeah. And, and is yeah. there accountability in that? So there's definitely different things here. If if we're talking about you've been in hurtful relationships and now you're hurt, you know, just assessing am I ready to be back in a relationship? That's one type of determining if you're ready for a relationship. Mm-hmm. If you have people that are in your family or you're married to or they're your children or you work with them, Mm -hmm. you have a different responsibility to manage those relationships and maintain them, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think that there's a strength in Christians that is being long-suffering, giving grace, believing the best, forgiving people, and oftentimes our closest relationships are the ones that hurt us the worst, but God can use those to really sanctify us, mm-hmm. you know? So am I ready to have this person close to me again? That's probably a really difficult task, but in Christ, he can help us do that. I know that's like, that. Yeah. I think that's a boundaries conversation mm-hmm. because you can have somebody in your life, but maybe not as in closest proximity as they were before. So I think that kind of like I had said before, really, like Laura said, depending on the the reason for the the argument, the breach of trust, whatever it is, I think there's a few checkpoints talking to them about it, seeing how they handle it, maybe establishing different boundaries. Maybe, Mm -hmm. Maybe you're just too open. You let them have too much access to you and that's where you need to adjust. Maybe it's just the slight adjustment in that way. I think um, seeing how they respond to the conflict, can you move through it? But it's probably more of like a boundaries mm-hmm. conversation that you might, because that's really space, you know, how much space, uh, how close do I let that person into the inner workings of my life? Maybe you don't need to remove them completely. Maybe you just need to put them in a different bracket yeah you know that's true and then that's why it's important that all of our deepest relationships are 
in Christ, Mm -hmm. that every day I have time in the word, growing close to God, letting him nurture and take care of my heart because people are such sinners. We all are. Everyone's broken. Everyone's broken. And you can't fully depend on a person to every day be 100% of what you need from them Mm -hmm. emotionally and mentally. You know, they're going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And we're committed to them and that's what a marriage would be and that's what friendships are you know like you're saying if you assess like is this a safe person for me or are they someone to remove well if they're a safe person you're going to work at this relationship it's going to be work and it's going to be worth it too because if you can be vulnerable and they can receive it and vice versa then you can potentially grow just a beautiful thing and you're gonna have to use Jesus Christ in that process because Mm -hmm. we're all going to get to the end of our natural ability to love and to keep forgiving a person. I don't want to forgive you again, you know, but I'm commanded to, and God will use that person in our life to polish up us and help us to be more Christ-like because he constantly forgives us and accepts us back. So that's kind of a, a difficult discernment. Yeah. But like Laura is saying, you know, people speaking into that, um, certainly if somebody's just physically abusing you or just neglecting, you know, those are real boundaries and real reasons to step away from someone that would be even in your family, you know, and kind of navigate that. But I think in general, myself and other people, we could always be more gracious and more long suffering. And I think sometimes you guys tell me if you agree, like sometimes we give up too quickly on people where maybe God's just trying to grow me spiritually and I need to grow in my ability to cover that in grace and to have patience for them. You know, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the offense in the relationship. You know, like if you have a family member that you by default are going to be around likely Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life and it's just maybe they just have a certain brokenness about them that's frustrating I think, yeah, you can kind of be like, okay, you know, I'm just going to pray for them about that and, you know, continue just to walk in love with that person and kind of help them work through that. If it's, you know, maybe a work relationship where it's um, somebody that's just a gossip and you're like, okay, you know, like that's, that's something I'm, I'm going to create a little distance with. Um, But at the same time, I can still be kind to that person. Mm -hmm. I can still be loving So, yes, I think that sometimes it's easier just to cut them off at the knees, move on, don't deal with it, don't work with it. Um, And that's something you should pray about. Is this something that I should continue to have in my life? Is this somebody that um, by default is in my life? And then how do I orient, operate around the difficulties that exist in that relationship? Um, But I do agree. I think sometimes we can be a little bit more gracious and a little bit more kind just to be like, and then context too you know if somebody's just kind of in a rough season of life like take that with a grain of salt like you're not at your optimal right now like you whatever you just went through you know you just lost a baby you just you know went through a divorce you just lost your job whatever it is they might be a little extra scritchy and I think taking that into consideration as well and not just saying like well now you're a bad person it's like you're going through a rough season and maybe you need a little bit more grace right now. Like mm-hmm. when somebody is the most difficult to love is usually when they need to be loved the most. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, just extending that grace 
but then praying for the discernment to be able to decipher between, is this something I should continue to walk through with him? Or is it that I need to create um, greater boundaries between that person and mm-hmm. I? Yeah. You know? I think the enemy can use, um, you know, either extreme where you feel like you have to be nice and let everybody back in. Yeah. Or you feel like I can't trust anybody. I'm having nobody in my life Mm -hmm. to where you don't have any connection with people and you need that. You need the body of Christ. You need people, all different kinds of people in your, in your life. So I think anytime you're coming to an extreme decision, sometimes that is the best case scenario is that person doesn't need to be in your life at all, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's thinking through that and assessing right you know yeah that's good maybe extreme is i'll never have friends i'll never get in a relationship i can't trust anybody right yeah. versus that person yeah. is a bad person they're removed or like all oh, men are bad yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah which that's true but no i'm just kidding <laughs> um so it talking about wounds and we'll uh, we'll wrap this up but i just was reminded of the wounds of jesus and the verses that actually use that phraseology and so I was thinking of 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So it just makes me think that Jesus' death provides a way to healing. You know, Mm -hmm. he conquered all sin, which is actually the root of pain. And when we're talking about these wounds, they're because people are sinners and we sin and we hurt people, but there's hope because Jesus, when he died on the cross, he conquered all sin. And by his wounds, we have hope in our mm-hmm. wounds. Yeah. That's really just such a good. a good point, you know? Yeah. So salvation gives us the Holy Spirit who can help us heal at the deepest level. Yeah. So um, I just was wondering from you guys, you know, what part does salvation play in being able to heal our wounds and being able to have good relationships with others? What do you think about that? Um, I think that you can't really be in a place of full healing without the relationship of Christ. If you think of a car, you your car is only as good as the person who made it and they know how it works. So you can get a car and you can never change the oil. You can never put gas in it. And you're going to have a bad relationship with that car. Mm. <laughs> but God made Sounds us. Like my life in my car. <laughs> All the Christmas lights up on the dash. Beautiful. <laughs> Just kidding. Those are um, warnings. Oh, those are your warnings. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I was like, I didn't know you decorated your car. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah. That Thankfully, I have a newer car, so I don't have those lights anymore. But... But God made us and he knows what's best for us. So if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, God's son, through the blood that he shed on the cross for you, then that impacts all of your other relationships. Mm -hmm. You're only as healthy as your relationship is with God. So you can have, I know people who are unsaved who are decent friends to me, but they're not deep friends because they don't know God. So you know, the Bible says God is love. You can't experience that love apart from him and you cannot give or display that love apart from him as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really the basis of this whole conversation today is if you don't have salvation through the blood of Jesus, then 
you are missing a key element to all of your relationships with your family, with your friends, with a potential spouse, with the spouse. It's going to help you navigate all of those things because he made us. He knows what we need to be healthy in all of those relationships. Mm. That's a great point. He's the designer and he can tell us how to best live that. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking from there, um, if God made us and he's created us, Psalm 147.3 says, he healeth the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Like God created us, like you're saying, you know, he made people, he made relationships. And when, because we're sinners, we find ourselves hurting each other, then looking back to God, like God, you know, you made human beings, how can I navigate this relationship? You have ultimately forgiven me for everything that I've done. And let me think through that dynamic and apply that to my human relationships too. You know, mm-hmm. that's a great perspective. So I love this verse though, when it says he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds, because I feel like that just gives hope to all people mm-hmm. that it really says God has a part to play in the healing process. He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. And I just love that because it's a supernatural healing. Like you were saying, God made our hearts. He knows exactly how they've been wounded and he knows how to provide the help that they need in order to be restored. That's amazing. I was looking up these words though, because I was thinking wounds, you know, what does that really talk about? And the word wounds here means pain or sorrow, which is what I was thinking it would mean, but also meant idol. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really weird and mm-hmm. interesting. So it says, he heals the broken in heart and binds up their idols, you know? Mm. So the wounding reveals our idols sometimes. That's mm-hmm. what it made me think and shows us what has to be cut out or pruned away. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes that's what wounds that's the redemption of them in our life is that they do bring up some things that maybe we're holding on too tightly or maybe the idol is us you know Mm -hmm. my pride that how dare you do that to me but it's going to reveal that someone's wounded us and there's always growth that we can take part in in that as well um bind up their wounds i was just thinking of that and i looked up what does bind up our wounds mean and it Mm -hmm. actually means to rule govern saddle to bind up like a turban tightly wrap or compress i was thinking like your Mm -hmm. hair after you get a shower and you bind it up you Mm -hmm. know in the towel and so really we're bringing into submission our emotions or Mm -hmm. our idols and so just to plug those words in when it says he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds it's like god is working in us with these wounds in a supernatural way he's trying to help us to gain control to tightly bind up the idols that are in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of the redemption of these things in our life. So in conclusion, to know if you're relationship ready, you need to evaluate how in control you are over your wounds. Mm -hmm. Are they an idol to you? Are they bigger than God in your life? Mm. And I think that's something to consider, and that's a good place to end as we're thinking about, am I relationship ready? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. (laughs) We will talk to you later. 
catch you on the flip side. Bye. Ciao.